Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. So I really think you're going to like today's podcast episode. A few weeks ago, we put one out called The Good Old Days with Jimmy, where we kind of got Jimmy to give his story of how Primo's got started, growing it into what it is now. Everyone seemed to love that episode, and we've gotten lots of requests to kind of keep that theme going. And so that's what we did. We brought in Brad Ferris on here to tell his story of how he got started with Primo's, how he got started hunting, some of those old fun stories that you don't ever get to hear. I think it was a great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think you will too. And lastly, I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. We enjoy building it. We enjoy putting it together. And your support and feedback really does mean the world to us. It's what we build this podcast around. So if you have a topic you want us to cover, if you have a question you want us to answer, please go to Facebook, go to Instagram, send it in. We will cover it. And if you want to do us a big, big favor, head on over to our page on iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a review. It really does help. Enjoy the show. Check, check, check it for me real quick. Check it, check it, check it, check it. Bradley. Lakey. <laughs> so, I like this episode. We hadn't even started it yet, and I already like it. I don't know. It might It might be kind of. So, the, the only, the head up you have, is so we did this same kind of topic with Jimmy, but I didn't tell him what we were talking about. Uh, because I didn't want him to have any, like, I didn't want him to have any chance to, like, I didn't. I wanted fresh thoughts. I wanted him riffing off the cuff, <laughs> and so we did that whole. Uh, Jordan was there. We did a whole episode with Jimmy about. I wanted his side of the story of how Primos got started. You know, or, or you know, some of his younger background, and he talked about them working in a garage and putting mouth calls together and all that stuff. And so, and I thought that episode would do well. I mean, I expected to do well, but people loved that you know because it's an interesting story right jimmy's a fun guy to listen to and so we've had some other requests and you know i mean in my young career i get still i'm getting asked all the time how did you get started how did you get started yeah and just listening everybody i've talked to in this business nobody's got the same story no that's it's it's almost comical like there's no like uh there's no like follow the yellow brick road path to get, you know. It just kind of happens one way or the other. But Brad, you you've been involved with. I mean, it's the first Primos video I ever watched, you were on it, and yeah. then you've been there from. I, I I I won't tell your story for you, but that's what we we wanted you to talk about since, that since 1990. I wasn't even alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was the year I was born. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, I, I filmed I filmed Will shoot a, an eight point. Um, we were on the Mississippi River hunting at a place, and, and I remember we were hunting pecans of all things. Yeah, that was my first Primo's video and experience, and it was in it was in October of 1990. Um, but you know, you talk about how you get into in this. I can remember as a as a young young kid, like 10 years old. There was I just loved hunting. Like I back then, there wasn't no TV or 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 computers or YouTube or none of that stuff. It right. was like it was outdoor life and field and stream. That was it. Like and, the magazines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was, I mean, if you if you wanted to get a hunt fix, you had to look at a magazine. Yeah. Of course, and, and I spent hours looking at magazines. Couldn't wait to get new ones. You go to the newsstand. When's the last time you went to the to a newsstand or grocery store and bought a hunting magazine? You probably never done that. I did. I can tell. I can tell you there was a Piggly Wiggly in Brandon, and I was walking out with my mama. I could, I mean, I was little, and I saw it was a turkey hunt magazine. And I just had to have it. That's the only. Yeah. This is the last time I can remember doing I, that. I bet I've got 
45 copies of Mississippi Game and Fish mm-hmm. from when I was a kid. Isn't that funny? But getting back to – so say when I was 10, 12 years old, I can remember we would go on a family vacation every year to Destin, Florida, and I can remember laying on the beach and watching those jets, you know, practice, the, the, do maneuvers and fighting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and there was two things I always told my mom and dad. I said, I want to either fly those fighter jets for a living or hunt for a living. <laughs> you know, and, of course, hunt yeah. for a living. My, my dad, he hunted. But my uncle was kind of my mentor when it comes to hunting. My uncle like hunted like we hunt, you know, today. He loved it. And he would always take the time to pick me up and take me to deer camp. And, and I grew up hunting in Jasper County, Mississippi. Yeah. You know, we talk about pine trees. I mean, I grew yeah. up at a place where if you saw a spike, you shot it. And then if you killed a buck and it was a six-point or an eight-point or a nine-point, it didn't no, – we didn't talk about score. Like, it didn't matter if it scored – you know, it was an eight-point that was 17 inches away. <laughs> we talked about that with Hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we ago. That's the way my grandpa talked about it. It, it was a 12-inch eight-point. And yeah. it was pine tree hunt. I mean, it mm-hmm. was literally pine rows. We talk about pine rows, and we had little hardwood bottoms. And, look, I remember that place. I can remember things about that place. It was called King's Flat Hunting Club, and um, it's still in existence today. And yeah. I, I can remember so much, so vivid certain things about that place, where my stand was. Oh, this is funny. So <laughs> – I was 11 years old, and I had a, a Jennings. It was called a Sidekick Two Compound, and I remember how you know had my stand. And the day before, or the week before season, I went and took a, a 10 pound bag of Morton White Salt, put on my salt lick. <laughs> <laughs> it might not even been legal to do that. I don't know. I think it was. I mean, it was a salt lick. It was legal. You just couldn't bait then. And um, but anyway, I, boy, that next Saturday morning, open day of both season, I remember 11 years old now going to that stand it was dark yeah i was scared to death something was gonna get me boy i can remember <laughs> almost running to my stand and you know then i had two by fours nailed to the side of a tree and then built a little wooden platform mm-hmm. it probably wasn't but nine feet off the ground and um i remember it starting to get daylight and i was kind of my nerves calmed down I, I realized i didn't get eaten and i can see that white salt sitting there and you know because the first thing i could see because it was bright and all of a sudden it's gone and i'm looking like yeah, blinked my eyes and then I saw it again and you know it seemed like this probably happened over two or three minutes and I realized it was two deer and so this deer came walking they came walking right by me to my right and I remember getting that bow and shooting like dang I missed and because um, my arrow was on the ground but then I noticed my arrow wasn't stuck in the ground it was laying sideways well back then in those days we hunted with with pods right or a neck team you yeah. know it's, it's it was legal and what happened is is I, I just hit the deer high in the back and it you know it 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 got that a neck team in it and it's poison they call it poison not really poison but and the, and I, it got daylight and i looked out there and i see a white belly I'm like man got him <laughs> no i said i still wasn't sure that was my deer i said damn there's a dead deer out there <laughs> <laughs> anyway i got down it was a spike i'll never forget it still in velvet and that was just i mean i can remember that you know that was whew. That was almost 40 years ago, <laughs> and um, I can remember everything I just explained like it was yesterday, but kind of kind of fast forward. That's just a fun little story. I ain't even thought about that in years, and just kind of got excited thinking about it again. Well, it's funny because we were talking about that uh, last week when we had, uh, or a couple weeks ago when we had Hunter on. We we talking about first deer stories. That's always a fun one to tell. We were saying it's like no matter no matter what the timeline is, that first deer, first turkey, whatever it is, it's like you can paint that picture like you're there. Yep. You just don't forget that kind you of stuff. You don't, and it was so special to this day. And and, and that, that the reason I tell that story, because after that I was just, when it came to hunting, that's all I thought about. Mm-hmm. And I really, as I got a little older, 
going through school, I kept telling her, I'm going to hunt for a living, I'm going to hunt for a living. She, you know, she would never discourage it, but, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Why don't you be a doctor or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when, I got out of, when I got out of high school, there was a, um, an archery shop called Indian Archery mm-hmm. um, Outfitters, and they had just opened, and I got something in the mail because I had, I guess they sent, whoever had a hunting license, I was 17 at that at that time. And so I'm going to check this new bow shop out. So I went up there, and I ended up buying a bow from them. Worked all summer and saved my money, and I got to know the guys, and and they offered me a job to come work there, and I'm thinking, man. And so I, by that time, I was out of high school, so that was my first mm. job in the hunting industry was fletching arrows. Yeah. And that was in that was in August of 1987. Um, How fired up were you when you got that job? Oh, I'd have, I'd have paid them to work there. <laughs> I can remember this. This is funny. They they started my salary. They started saying, we'll pay you eleven thousand bucks a year. I mean, you know, I'm right out of high school. I, I don't know if that's enough money or not. It didn't matter. I'd have worked there for free. Yeah. But the first week I got a raise, twelve thousand a year. <laughs> I was so excited. You in the money. It, and then, but anyway, it, it, that's kind of how this all started. And I got to doing archery stuff and working on bows and kind of fast forward a little bit to so Will Primos. This was in. He lived in Madison, Mississippi, and this was in this was in Ridgeland, which is kind of just all the same thing, basically. But anyway, he would come in there, and uh, Primo's guys were shooting golden eagles back in those days. I, and Will had to have two bows, and they were I, they had to be identical, like they had to be tuned the same, the sights had to look the same in case something happened. He had because he wanted them identical. <laughs> Ain't much changed. <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but you know, bows were way simpler back in in the late eighties than they are now. And 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 he would come in there, and and I had gotten pretty, I think, pretty good at working on bows then, because I would never take shortcuts, and I would spend whatever time it took to get it right. And he appreciated that. And and finally, I said, Will, can can we do this after church on Sunday? Because we were closed on Sunday. I said, Because man, it takes me four or five hours to work with you, and there'll be people lined up out the front door waiting to get stuff worked on. Yeah. And uh, so, so that was kind of because I wanted to be able to focus on him, and it took a whole afternoon. But that's how me and him got to know each other. And he said, Right. Um, I said, Man, if you ever get a, if you ever have a job opening, I'd like to talk to you about working at, at Primo's Hunting Calls. And, um, and so I don't remember the exact time, but he said, Yeah, why don't you come, come visit with me? So I went to his shop, and we sat down, and he wanted to hire me as a shop foreman. Yeah you know to work and, and i thought that was i said well, yeah well i kind of like my archery hunt i mean my archery store working there and i just really don't want to do that you know mm-hmm. i'd rather work in your tv and video department and so he said well maybe one day we, we can work that out so in the pro during that time he invited me to come film a few times here and there and at willow point willow point north um cottonwood and that's when I filmed him in 1990. Right. Shoot that first deer we talked yeah. about earlier. Well, at, at, then I went on to Terra. So worked at Terra Wildlife for four seasons, I believe. You know, guiding bow hunters there. And how'd, um, how'd that come about from the archery shop? It, from the archery shop. Yep. I used to go. So my because I grew up in the pine trees, as we talked about. And my first hunt on the Mississippi River was at Willow Point South when they first got started selling hunts there. And you could buy a day hunt. So we would kind of sell hunts in the archery shop. Okay. So, uh-huh. I, so I saved up my money or try to book hunts for them to go there. So I saved up my money and bought me a one-day hunt. I don't remember what it was, probably $225 or 250 yeah. bucks for a day. And I remember it got daylight, and I didn't know deer hunting existed, anything like what I saw that day. <laughs> and, and that's where my love for the Mississippi River and the river bottoms started. Um, mm-hmm. 
it, and and so that's how I ended up. I, I got to know those guys. I'd go over there some and 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 hunted and, and videoed with Will and the Primos guys and got to know them. And and uh, they had a job opening one day, and and I you know I went and talked to them about it, and I took it. Kathy and I, my wife, we moved over there, lived at at Eagle Lake, and uh, actually lived on Willow Point South the first year, and lived in a little house they had on a thing. And <laughs> funny story about that, I remember the house had some rats in it. <laughs> Big rats. Witness <laughs> Kathy loved that. Oh, I can remember hearing them. You know, you'd hear them running on the rafters in the in the roof. And she she worked at Hines Community College in Jackson at that point. So she would go, she would go go to work. She worked three days a week, and she'd stay with her mom and dad during the week, and then come back to the island on the weekend. And that that last time she was there, about the second week, she said, "I'm not coming back until them rats are gone." <laughs> Look, I, I didn't have much money to spend on stuff you know because you know we, we were we were young and trying to trying to figure out life but anyway i went and bought all the rat poison i could afford and some rat shot mm-hmm. and i'd have sat up in that attic with rat shot in my 357 <laughs> trying to shoot them rats i never did i never did shoot one but i did finally get them and and uh, I, I got them poison finally but it, I, she likes to tell that story that, that's true right just there. picturing you up in the attic with i some was rat sitting shot. there on the rafter trying to you know <laughs> jesse would have been the same way yep that's hilarious but that's kind of how that happened and i remember filming will i was working at terror at that point and um i was guiding at terror but i could you know they were there doing a, a writer's hunt and, and filming a show or, or videos back then. And I was filming. We were, me and him were sitting in the stand, and we're talking. And he said, you know, I think I'm about ready to have a I – mean, I think I'm ready to add another person to the video department if you're still interested. You know, because and and, this was like in December, and I said, absolutely, I'm interested. Once season's over, because I had to finish out my year at Terra. I mean, yeah. I, and um, once, that, once I get through with all my obligations here, I'd, I, I would love to, to consider it seriously. So um, – I guess it would have been like first week in March. I ended up going to work at Primo's in the video department, and um, that's kind of where that started. And you know, been been a been a fun long ride ever since. And it was Will and and, and Jimmy and and me and uh, Dean Reagan. He was a he was a big part back then. It was just a few of us. I mean, the company was small. Right. Yeah. We were in a little strip mall. You know, the offices were downstairs. We had storage upstairs. They, it, it was, it, I don't remember how many people, 18, 20 people worked mm-hmm. there then, you know, building mouth calls and still some of the same processes of mouth call building wheel created way back then are still used today. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jordan, are you tired of hunting in a ground blind and not being able to see what's going on? No, because I've been hunting in a surround view. See, how many times have you heard crunching in the leaves? You think it's a big buck, but it turns out to be a squirrel or something. Possums, usually. Or maybe a chupacabra. <laughs> or a wild hog. Yeah. Well, with Primo Surround View Blind, you will not have that issue. No doubt. And you can turn around and see squirrels chewing on corn cobs, whatever you want to see behind you. You can see if your cousin Cletus is sneaking in on your spot. Let me tell you something else about Surround View that I prefer and why I love to use them. Let me hear it. You can take a dog with you. You can take your girlfriend with you. You can take your dad with you. It makes a lot of noise. We're talking about sports utility vehicle type space in this thing. Yeah, you can sit when it's mist and rain and don't get wet. I think I even heard of somebody holding a whole family reunion inside of a surround view blind. No doubt. They're worth their weight in gold. So I think it would be smart if we told our listeners to head on over to primos.com and order themselves a surround view blind. What do you think? I got a song this far. Let's hear it. Head on over to primos.com, get your surround view. Wow, Jordan, you are truly the songbird of this generation.
but that's kind of a that's how all that goes you know now i i still get to work with you guys on the on the tv show and and, and my, my main job now is with whitetail properties mm-hmm. selling selling hunting land because mm-hmm. throughout the process of primos i got to go to so many um different farms and ranches throughout the united states and see and i've always been really a passion of mine was like creating hunting land and working on hunting land and food plots and timber and i just always paid attention to all that and i just really enjoy it just to be able to to still work with you guys and sell land and help people do that it's it's been a been a blessing no doubt <laughs> i'm sure it's changed a lot since those old days you know it has it and people said aren't you tired of it I'm like man no i love it more now than ever have. <laughs> now i do enjoy if it came hunting a rut or spending a week on a bulldozer or a tractor i don't know it'd be a hard decision <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. like them both they're equal i mean i love working on whitetail habitat it's something about when you're on a bulldozer or a tractor or something you're envisioning what's going to happen there three three months from then you yep. know it's like yep. how's this going to turn out that's i love that part too yeah, it's just i know i know you do that for people too jordan it's just just getting to do that and it's a, it's, it's a long-term process so it takes three to five years a lot of times to get everything perfected on a habitat wise it's just mother nature works at her own pace we Mm -hmm. just got to be patient but when you do see that come together and you can go sit and see a food plot that you built in a uh, a little sanctuary area or quiet zone that you created that the deer call home now and you you know you got your food plot strategically placed and i don't know that's just a big part of hunting and it has come a lot as far as deer yeah you know now we shoot bucks when they're five and a half six and a half seven yeah you know back in the day back in the king's flat jasper county days if it was a buck it's a buck i mean a spike we shot it. that's <laughs> a buck <laughs> it's a buck i can't even remember that I, like on a smaller scale the first time we started doing the takeout here and started doing the food plots here i remember like the first time i got to sit on that new ground food plot and watch it fill up with deer i was like man we kind of did that you know <laughs> yeah you, you know talking about how technology's come like with trail cameras i mean now there's trail cameras out there that'll send you a picture when a deer walks in front of the camera till you mobile yeah. device mm-hmm. or your computer well shoot the first time i ever did anything like that was we actually had i don't remember who made it but it was a little timer that had a string and you stretch it across a deer trail and when a deer walked down that trail it would trip that, <laughs> trip that string and you would know that deer came through here at seven twenty this morning it was just a timer wasn't it was a timer a no it wasn't even a picture <laughs> that sounds like something i would come up with <laughs> if i stretch this string across that trail <laughs> He'll trip it. Then a basket falls down and catches him. Oh, and then we, then we had the range finders, you know. They didn't. They don't range like we, with lasers like we have now. You had a little dial in there, and when those two images got together, you knew that yeah. was somewhere around 25 yards. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been 22. It might have been 28, but it, you were close. So it was, uh, It's just fun to think about those. I, never, I hadn't thought about those kind of things in so many years, but it's fun to, to go back and think how that. I wish we had a little string thing like a trail timer yeah. that we could go stretch out That'd be and funny. look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this, because this was a real fun question for, for Jimmy when we were talking about this. Like, tell me your first recollection of when you had to hunt being filmed, when you had to, like, film – when someone was filming you hunt. Yeah, I can tell you exactly who that was. It was Will Primos. Mm-hmm. We were at Willow Point North, and um, we were hunting. And I remember vividly – it was a six-point. We were hunting – 
by some button willows at the edge of some water and here comes a six point and he bedded down and, and i was being man look i was being filmed that was a big deal i was like nervous and <laughs> and, I'm, and will primos is even filming me mm -hmm. that's even like and i remember shooting a gold eagle bow you know Eastern XX75 aluminum eras and big old five inch broomsticks. <laughs> yeah, veins and, and big old broadheads. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm being filmed, and this deer goes and lays down. And I'm like, man, he's like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 yards. I don't remember the exact distance, but he lays down, and we watch him and watch him. And you know, it's getting kind of late in the morning by then. And I had an idea. I said, well, what if I shoot an arrow over the top of that deer? and hit them trees behind him. I wonder if it'll spook him, he'll run over here. <laughs> I did that, and it worked. <laughs> but what didn't work is the second shot, I missed him again. <laughs> Somewhere, the second miss wasn't meant to be. No, the second miss was not meant to be, and, and I remember that. And it's it's somewhere on a truth video somewhere. Uh, I don't remember. That was a long one. It would be in like in the first truth one two three or four i say that I, I i know we videoed it and i can't remember if it's on a video or not if it made it or not but that that that's that's what i remember that's also when i heard the um that same hunt i think before that when i heard the my first deer bleat okay. yeah and, and and bucks chasing grunting yeah you know that they were probably roaring which we didn't know what that was in until we figured that out later on in illinois and iowa but you know, I'll never forget it was four or five bucks, and that doe was running. They were chasing her, and she was bleating, and they were grunting, and it was just a – it was a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, like, uh, were you – had Primo's already transitioned into, like, making elk calls when you started, or did that happen when you were there? No, no, no. It, 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 Will had just got into the elk stuff about – I mean, he, he had started making elk calls probably about two or three years before – I started, and, and Truth 2, the Truth 1 elk video, he did. He yeah. had started him and Will Walker and David Carden and, and those guys. You know, they they had already done the first Truth video. I don't know how many years it took them to make it. Now, the Truth 2, I was working for Will when he did the Truth 2 about elk, you know, yeah. the elk on the elk. But that was the year Morgan was born, and her birthday is in the middle of September, so I couldn't right. I couldn't go on the hunt scene because she was, you know, she was being – Right, I, I, I'd have sure enough had bad times at home if I would have missed that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so tell me about like, cause, like the, the first elk trip I ever went on with Primos was with you yep. to New Mexico. Yeah. And I was, you know, you, you're, I was looking to you like, well, you got to tell me what's going on. I've never seen this before. <laughs> so I want to know what it was like for you the first time you stepped foot, you know, in elk country. Like, what, what was that like? Yeah, it was in Montana, and it was. Um, I remember that it, was, it was at the Bar None Ranch, and, and I was filming Will, and um, it just to, to wake up and go out there. And I I had only seen what I saw on video, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and to hear the elk and to see them and smell them, it was just like a it was a different world. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't. It was kind of like my first experience on the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. um, but but getting to do that, and I just, I mean, I love calling. I've always enjoyed turkey hunting, and I. I mean, you can, there's some similarities between elk and turkey hunting, but they're they're not the same other than you're talking to each other. Right. Um, you just got to have a whole different mindset. But it's just something about calling and having that elk respond to you, and they're so big and majestic and loud and noisy. Um, man, and I'm hooked. I mean, I, I hadn't I, – I think this was my 22nd year in a row to elk hunt, mm -hmm. archery hunt. Yeah. So – and, uh, and 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 I, I hope to never miss a year. <laughs> even if I don't, if, it, if I don't care if I even have a boat, 
long, if, if if I'm with you two guys, as long as I can just go see it and make a few calls and get one yeah. to answer, it's that's just, that's all I want to do. Something about being out there with you. Yep. That's I always I, I wanted to hear that because I can you know I can know from my personal experience. You know, you go from I was, I was kind of mean very similar. I grew up hunting pine rows, you know. And the biggest game you've ever seen is a deer. And then all of a sudden you step out in those mountains and you have these elk coming in. You're like, that thing's as tall as I am. You know, yep. it's just such a, like, whoa. I mean, you're looking at a seven, you know, six to 700-pound animal, and you're used to shooting anywhere from 100, you know, 180 to 240-pound whitetail. That's a big yeah. difference. Yeah. <laughs> and how early on was it that that uh, – that hunt, that, that that older hunt, they always see of you where the elk stood there facing you for the longest time. You yeah, hear your that, heart beating in the microphone. Yep, that was in Colorado. And this is how, I mean, and Will and I hunted a lot together, and this is something that, that I'll never forget. I didn't have a call in my mouth because I remember we're walking up there, and that and, and we, we called, and that bull was just right there. So it was like a, just a mad setup. And he was within, literally within seconds. I said, I mean, probably was a minute, but he, that was in that was in the 2000s i mean early in mid two thousands, yeah. i think and and i'm so i'm at full draw and that elk is facing me and we never shoot elk or whitetail or anything facing us we just don't do it it's a low percentage shot and it's just not something we right like agree with or even talk about uh or do and and so i knew i wasn't going to shoot i mean i don't care if, if that bull he could have ran off and I'd have never shot him. I mean, he's at 10 yards facing me perfectly. Yeah. And I'm at full draw with my pen right on his throat. And I'm not going to shoot. And so I was getting shaky. And I remember picking my foot up. Because I said, something's got to happen because I can't hold this bow much longer. You know, that bow were 50% let off or whatever back yeah. then. It ain't like a bow's right. not used now. Yeah. And so I moved my foot. And I remember he stopped me, looked, and I moved it again. And he bolted. Well, you know, I, I knew what Will was going to do because – it's just what we do. So right, we'll yeah. stop the call. I mean, he called meow. And when that and that bull stopped, and I just put that pin right there behind that shoulder and just tink, and let yeah. him go. And he was, I, you could hear my heart beating. I oh, was, yeah. um, and he was, I mean, 10 yards just bugling, just, I mean, I had hair back then. He was making his part of my hair, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how loud he was. Yeah. I mean, well, anyone's heart would be beating like that with that, all that going but on. But you know what? The, the first elk hunt that you and I did together, that's still one of my most memorable hunts too. When that bull, you know, he just came walking. It was just one of the meant to be things, and mm-hmm. and, and he he walked ten yards right over my shoulder, and you're right there behind you. You one of your first elk to ever video, yeah. and, and that that was a cool experience. We tricked him. That was a good one. I just remember, like again, there's so many like pieces and parts to elk hunting and how y'all do it that i was just at the time it was like i was trying to drink water out of a fire hydrant you know i was just trying to soak it all in and one of the things that i've picked up over the years is and you said it uh, like a hundred times when an elk's coming in the first thing you do is try to get your bow back you know if his head goes behind something and so i'm filming the elk and i can at this point i can I can see the way he's coming. I can picture what I think's about to happen with, you know, him walking right past us like that. And the elk goes behind a bush and you draw your bow back. And I start freaking out. I'm like, no, 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 I, I can't know. see him. I can't. And I remember you're like, and then you're like, I was just getting drawn. So then I was like, oh, yeah. sorry about that. Cause you can, and, yeah. And I'd run camera enough over the years too, which I, you know, I'm thinking not only hunting because i got the bow but i'm also i'm conscious of you and mm-hmm. where the camera is and i know what you i feel like i know what you can see and can't see and i remember thinking i'm not gonna shoot 
just let him well i, I waited till he got by where yeah I knew, and you said i don't remember if you told me to shoot or not shoot but it was pretty easy i knew where he had to be yeah. for you to get it on video and it just it was one of them meant to be deals keith bean was calling was he fun. was a new elk caller at that point and you and i are looking at the bull and and keith i'm telling him remember remember i would i would <laughs> you give him hold, signals i'd hold a mouth call up and that meant do a cow call and i hold a bugle up and he would do a bugle and because i could you and i were looking at the elk and he's yeah. 100 yards behind us yeah he was sticking his head up over that little lip and then he'd yep. look at it and brad would hold his hyper lip up and, <laughs> yeah and, and then brad would go he'd go like that and he'd mean bugle and he'd bugle <laughs> <laughs> well we were watching the mean you were watching the yeah. elk so we knew what he was yeah when we, he was giving us enough interest that we knew what to do and say at what time and it just it it worked out that bull came walking headed right up to keith and and we shot him at 10 yards it was fun <laughs> golly that was fun it's fun and then you know of course the whitetail when it's all said and done at the end of the day if i had to give up everything and just hunt one thing it would just be the whitetail game yeah. Yeah. the game of the whole strategy yeah because it's it's it's, it's a year-long thing now mm-hmm. you know you're you got your habitat management and that is the key to, key biggest thing you can do for a, a whitetail property if you got control of the the land and can and manipulate the habitat um but you know you talk you said something earlier jordan and if people are listening you got people like when we got out of school wanting to get in this industry and get in this business you know for me i've been one of those guys just like i talked about fletching Harris. yeah i didn't care i'd have worked here for free mm-hmm. and i was the type of guy that uh, i can remember working all night fletching Harris, like Watching hunting videos and fletching airs like till daylight the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't matter about money to me. But when I committed to do something, I was going to do it. And, and, you know, a lot of people have attitude. Well, if you want me to do that, you pay me to do that. I never had that attitude. Right. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to work so much. They're going to have to pay me or they're going to lose me. Right. You know, I, I don't mean that cocky. I mean that as in, I didn't worry about what I got paid. Yeah. If I told somebody I was going to dig a ditch or I was going to cut, firewood i was gonna have the biggest prettiest ditch and the most firewood you ever seen mm-hmm. yep. and um and i don't think it, and, and i'm not saying if you just do that in life do that no matter what you do mm-hmm. you know if i if i was a waiter or if i was a cook or i didn't care whatever i was going to do i was doing it the best of my ability mm-hmm. and you will be successful yep. there's so much opportunity in this world if people just apply themselves mm-hmm. yeah you know, and, and I hope people coming up will do that. I love seeing somebody work hard. Yeah. You know, if you see somebody and, and, and they're walking fast and, you know, they're focused on their job, they can go anywhere. Yeah. And that's why I tell you, it's, it's there, like you said, there's so much opportunity out there yep. these days. There really is. Yeah. And you just can't, I tell people there's, all the time. But based off what Brad's saying, there's no rhyme or reason how to get into this business. If you no. just work hard at it and got a mind to do it, you can make it somehow or another. Yeah. You know? I yep. says, don't get discouraged and just you gotta work hard like that. There ain't no, there's no. When I first started trying to figure out how to do something in the outdoor industry, I got a job at Giles Island. Mm-hmm. I moved down there a month early without pay, just to learn the place and work on the place, and it worked out. You know, and you stood and you stood out. You know, out of all the people there, you you know you obviously worked hard and you 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 put the opportunity before the dollar. Mm-hmm. The, first, the first the uh, first outdoor the first outdoor related job I got was uh guiding duck hunts at a place called Mallard Manor. And I didn't even know I was getting paid until they they handed me a check after it was all over. <laughs> I didn't even know. I really didn't. I just yeah. I wanted to do something and yeah. I, I just jumped and I talk, I remember talking to the guy on the phone. And I remember saying that yeah, we need somebody this weekend to come down. 
came down and then it, I was like, I got paid. <laughs> he was like, well, yeah, you get paid. <laughs> I was just happy to be there. And, and so uh, hopefully people will take, take some of that and just, man, just work hard because you, you know, you, you create your own destiny, I guess is a word to say. Yeah. You, you, your actions are, and people, there's so many people out there looking for hardworking, honest people. It is, I mean, I can think of a ton of jobs out there. Somebody, man, oh, I, can't, I can't find nobody to work no more. Man, the hard work, hard work is, I don't know. I, I was given that gene, I guess, because I'm not scared to work. Yeah. I yeah. like to work. You don't ever know who's watching you either. Right. Mm-mm. You know? Mm-mm. But it's been a fun ride, and I've been been very blessed to, to get to spend time with you guys and then with Will and, and Jimmy and all the people that helped get Primo's to what it is today. And mm-hmm. I'm very thankful to get to, to still get – do elk hunt and come over here to Cottonmouth and hunt with you guys and laugh and you know it's a it's it's a blessing can't beat it it really is it's fun <laughs> I enjoy it which of that I guess we're I mean, about to start hunting this afternoon so yep about that time okay so I guess me and you are a team this week huh Lake? team and I got Jimbo uh oh you got team Jordan and Jimmy are team itchy finger itchy trigger finger <laughs> team killer deer team <laughs> <laughs> hey look it's October I mean you might have the same thing going we might have the same thing you won't have any complaints out of me you say hey can I shoot yep, yep. <laughs> oh alright then that'll be about enough for today guys as always hope you enjoyed the conversation if you have any questions ever at all don't hesitate to send them in Facebook Instagram Whatever you need to do. And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.